according to them, they, they tested about 33 or 34 different skills. Yeah. And out of those skills, they found out that the skills that are related to emotional intelligence contribute about between 45 and 58 percent of our success in the workplace. Out of all the skills. Out of all the skills. Are you wondering what's next? Has everything you tried failed? Or maybe you just feel a little bit stuck? Then coaching may be right for you. The coaching relationship is a relationship that's totally centered on you. If you're tired of running on the hamster wheel of life, want to start seeing results, reach out to Incredible for help. So what are you waiting for? Go to paulferrandi.com or at I am Incredible on all my socials. Click the link in the bio for your free coaching session. I want to make sure you become the best version of yourself. Your professional development is one of the keys to your career success. When you combine your desire to grow with actionable steps, your journey to success becomes an incredible reality. Welcome to the Incredipal Podcast. And now, sharing his expertise, experience, and excellence with the world, here's your host, Paul Ferrandi. All right, I'm your host, Paul Ferrandi, and we're back with another episode. This time I have a guest for you. His resume includes author, speaker, trainer. He has a master's degree, PMP, certified, etc. My favorite title for him is dad or father, if I'm being formal. Anyway, dad, can you just give a two-minute elevator speech? I've known you all my life. You've known me before or even more. Just tell them who you are, what you do. Well, I go by different titles, like you said. Well, most people call me Sonny. My name is Sonny Farrell B. And um, I love to enable people to be the best that they can be. And uh, one of the things that drives me, one of the passions that drives me every day is to see people uh, living life to their fullest potential, thriving and flourishing in everything that they do. That's remarkable. So when do you think, when did you unlock that that's what you wanted to do? Did you always know that? Oh, definitely not. (laughs) I I did not know that. As as an engineer and um, someone with a strong technical background, I never even thought I would do what I do today. And as many of you, if you're an engineer, you probably know this. Uh, engineers typically don't like talking to people. <laughs> we do not like engaging people. And, and that was me the first, I want to say maybe the first 10 to 15 years of my of my career. It wasn't until when I began to lead teams of people, teams of engineers and other professionals, and I discovered that I needed skills that I didn't have, leadership skills, soft skills that I did not have that my journey actually began. And even at that time, I didn't even know I would still be doing this. It wasn't until when I began to develop those skills, began to grow my leadership presence, that I saw differences in the way I led teams, in the way I interacted with people. And the result of those interactions eventually led me to believe that I could do what I'm doing now, I could write, I could speak and encourage people to be the best that they can be. 
That's remarkable. And I guess I forgot to include that as one of your titles is engineer. You spent majority of your life doing that. Let's let's go to the past a little bit. Um, you said you do a lot of speaking and training and coaching now, but let's go back, let's say, 30 years when you first started being an engineer. What did you love about it? What did you not like about it? Well, as, as an engineer, you know, growing up in Nigeria, and I spent the first what, eight, nine years of my career as an engineer uh, in, in Nigeria, there were a lot of opportunities. Especially as an electrical engineer, and then there was a lot of opportunities for me. I love the freedom that my, especially my first job gave me when I was working at Xerox uh, in Nigeria. The freedom to to move around freely. Actually, my first job, I did not, I didn't have to stay in a cubicle. Mm. I did not have to stay in one place. I was a service engineer, so that means I was going from customer to customer, uh, installing and um, maintaining Xerox uh, machines. So always on the road. <laughs> always, always on the road. So it was, it, it was that. And then uh, after that, my next job, which lasted only about six or seven months, was um, in an oil exploration environment where there was some traveling, but not a lot of traveling. Okay. Uh, involved. I was off offshore, so I was always uh, somewhere on the water, somewhere uh, doing oil exploration work. We were living in camps. The, the whole crew was about over 800 people. Wow! So we live in camps. We leave our camps and we we'll, we we'll go out for 12-hour long days mm. to work, and then come back to the camp. So. In that sense, yes, I was not as mobile, but at least I was also not uh, commuting from my comfortable home. I was oh, okay. in, a, in a camp environment. Different surroundings. Yes, and that was, you do that for 28 days straight. Wow. And then you go, you know, you go home for 14 days. So I can see why that only lasted six months. <laughs> well, actually, that, that's not the reason why, though. <laughs> no. That's not the reason why it lasted six months. It lasted six months because the work we were doing finished. And uh, well, it's a long story, but the short sense of it was that as we were trying to transition to the next location, the, the company I was working with then found a reason, found a reason to try to get rid of some people in the organization, some people they didn't like. I was only there for only about six months. So I wasn't one of those people. But um, there was uh, a political unrest in the oh, country, yeah. in the country at the time. Mm -hmm. So they used that excuse to say uh, the political environment in Nigeria was not conducive to their continuing operations, so they were going to shut down operations. So the whole crew of over 800 people were let go wow. after our contract uh, finished. And I even remember that my boss then, who was an American, who was a Caucasian American, uh, the chief observer in my department, he actually fought for me. He fought for me. He wanted to, the, the company to keep me, but um, he told me that 
uh, his argument did not fly with them because they told him, we're asking people who've been in the company for 25 years to leave. Mm. What value do you see in this guy who's just been here for six months? So oh, wow. You, you can't keep him. Yeah, so he saw your potential, but just the sheer circumstances that they're letting everyone go, yeah. they allow you to stay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, let's fast forward a little bit. So that was, those are your first couple of experiences as an engineer. And then you said that as you transitioned into the learning more about leadership, as you had these leadership roles, do you have any funny stories of, or interesting stories about when you first started leading teams, what you kind of expected versus where you didn't expect? I see you smiling, so I think you, kind of, you thought of a story. <laughs> yeah, well, I can think of quite a, quite a few of them. Uh, my very first uh, experience actually leading teams was uh, started in 1995 with Nigerian Brews. I was hired as the engineer in charge of all the automation and uh, uh, automation and electronic equipment in in the company, which was a brewery, mm-hmm. and I was based in the headquarters. And we have five breweries spread all over the country. And I had a team. I had a team of five technical professionals who were reporting to me at the time. And that was my first experience. In fact, before I was hired, my men who were reporting to me were already hired on the team. This was a new position in the organization. It was not in existence before. So I actually had had the opportunity to to craft the position to the way I wanted. Because they had a vision of what they thought the position would be. But after I got in, my my boss then told me that I needed to define exactly what this role entailed. And (laughs) so it was it was interesting. But the the key uh, the key thing that came out of that was that most of the guys that were working for me were older than me. Mm. They were older in age and, and coming from uh, in, in a country where uh, when it comes to age or hierarchy, uh, it, it's very, very, it's very important. Usually respect flows from the younger to the older, mm-hmm. but also in, in corporate environments, there are instances when the boss is, is younger than, than the people they are leading. Mm-hmm. So in a, in a way, respect also flows from the people being led to their leader. Yeah. But one of the things I've seen, or I saw then rather, is that some people will take advantage of that to, uh, to, 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 for lack of a better term, to, to use their power or the, their position, the positional yeah. authority that they have, to use it in ways that will rob the people that they are leading the wrong way. So manipulating them or not? Yeah, it, some sometimes manipulative, yes. Uh, in other times, just uh, just putting people down. Oh. Uh, so just exercise authority. Yeah, just exercising, but exercise authority in a way that I don't think it should it should have been okay. exercised. And one of the things that I found out, and because I was I was relatively young at the time, one of the things I found out is that. It's always a better thing to come into those situations or those relationships in humility. 
when you come in, even though you are the boss, when you come in and approach your team and the people that you're working with, some of them have been on the job for 40 years, maybe even way before you were born. So approach them and letting them know that you appreciate their experience, you appreciate their knowledge, even though you are their boss, you are their manager, you appreciate their experience. And coming to that level and say, you know, I want to learn from you. I want to learn from your experience. All of those kind of things, uh, it endears you to them to the extent that they, they even give you more respect. Even though by virtue of their position, they tend to respect yeah. you, but the, the respect quotient, if I can put it that yeah. way, goes up several notches because they see you coming down to their level and saying, yeah. I want to learn from you. I, I, I'm not coming as if I know everything because yeah. I don't know everything. So you are you're understanding and you are seeing their, their experience and you are acknowledging and valuing what they bring to the table. Oh, that's powerful. I believe it was Stephen Covey in his Seven Habits that he talked about seeking to understand before to seeking to be understood. So is that the, the message there as far as the humility? No, definitely. I think uh, that's, that's a very, very important, important message. Uh, the, the, the funny thing about that uh, is this. At the same time, and that experience endeared me, I, I could tell, endeared me to my team, who I was leading. But at the same time, I had a boss, my own boss was the exact opposite wow. of that. Yeah. And because of the kind of relationship I had with him, I couldn't trust him. Oh, wow. I could not trust him. And also, I did not trust him uh, with my team. Because oh, there are times when there are times when he would go around me and uh, and talk to my team and kind of try to put the fear of God in them in a way, and I will have to go and try to mediate or, oh, wow. or try to clean up the mess on behalf of your boss. You had to do that. Yes, uh, clean up the mess afterwards. So after a while, I began to I began to play the role of, not, not a mediator, but of a protector. I was protecting my team yeah. from my boss Wow. Uh, in a way. So that even also I saw in their behaviors and the way they did their work, that helped them or made them to even be much more uh, loyal so that it doesn't matter what I ask them to do, they will gladly do. Wow. Well, that's powerful. Well, I know you do a lot of training in a variety of different models. I mentioned you're PMD certified, you do project management. But I want to dive deeper into the topic of emotional intelligence. I know you're well-versed in this. You're a certified trainer, uh, coach. You do a lot of different things with that. How about you start talking about um, how, you, how your emotional intelligence journey or EQ journey started that you can remember? Well, that, that started, I think the, the foundations for that actually started when I was, I was doing my, my master's program at Washington University in St. Louis. Uh, I took a class called Leadership Through People's Skills. Yeah. And uh, during that time, the, a lot of things I learned just got me curious and I began to think about what is it that makes people tick? Why is it that we we do things the way we do them? Why do we 
why do two different people respond to an event or a situation in two different ways? Mm-hmm. So that was when I, my, my journey kind of began. And it was around the same time also, I was trying to grow my leadership presence. I wanted to be a better leader of my team, leading my project teams. And in the in the process of trying to to learn and find out more about the leadership skills I needed to be a better leader of my teams, I I actually just I stumbled onto emotional intelligence. Wow. I wasn't looking for it. I stumbled on it and it caught my attention because I found that Emotional intelligence brings together all of these leadership skills that I was trying to, I was trying to develop. It brings them together in a in a holistic way, really? in, a way so? in a way that shows their their interdependencies, okay. how how one affects the other. Okay. So that's the reason why I got uh, it, it attracted my attention. So I looked more into it and I began to. Uh, uh, to pay more attention. So I took an assessment. I took an emotional intelligence assessment. I got the result. It wasn't good. <laughs> it was not pretty. And uh, that was how my journey began. And I began to, use, using that report as a basis, I began to see what I needed to do to be a better leader of my team. Well, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's very interesting when you were talking about emotional intelligence. I, I don't know if a lot of people realize what that is. I feel like I think it's just wishy-washy emotions. Maybe you as an engineer need it, but me, I'm I'm an, in HR, I'm in accounting, or I'm maybe a teacher. I deal with people all the time. Why should people other than engineers who clearly don't know anything about dealing with people, why should they yeah. get into emotional intelligence as well? Well, the, the truth is that emotional when people hear about emotional intelligence, most people just think about others being emotional or how they handle their emotions. And in fact, most people, uh, most time when I do emotional intelligence seminars, when people hear emotional intelligence, there are only two of the skills that I think comes to people's mind. People don't know what the skills are. There are actually 15 distinct emotional intelligence skills. 15. Yes, there are 15 distinct skills that make up emotional intelligence. So the two that I think most people think of is emotional. One of them is emotional expression, how you express emotions. Mm-hmm. So people get angry or mm-hmm. people get hyper and things like that. Yeah. That's one of it. And the other one is what we call impulse control. Impulse control is people either being able to control their impulse to act right away. Mm-hmm. When something happens, do you are you able to, to resist that impulse to do something or say something right away? Or are you the type that will just let it go without thinking? Yeah. So I think those are the major two major skills that people think about. But like I said, there are 15 distinct skills. And from a lot of things, I've been doing this now for about almost 10 years. From everything I've done, the seminars and my learnings, my understanding, and some of the research I've done also, I've come to realize that everyone needs it. Yes. Those of us who are engineers may need a little bit more than other people, but everyone needs it because emotional intelligence really is about how our emotions affect everything that we do. And as human beings, we are emotional people. We are emotional beings. Our emotions drive everything. 
-hmm. everything that we do. The fact that you and I got up this morning is uh, is a result of our emotions. Mm -hmm. There are some set of emotions you have. You wake up in the morning, you don't want to get up from the bed. Mm -hmm. You want to stay in bed. Yeah. So there are emotions that is driving everything. Everything we do, all of our decisions, all of our thoughts, all of our thinking, they are being driven by that. So whether for good or for bad, our emotions drive a lot of things that we do. Wow. So it's really important that. It is very important. It's very important. Sometimes when I, when I do uh, one-day seminars, I usually start by, by asking the group, usually a room of about 50 or 60 people, um, I will ask them, is there any profession or anybody that they think does not need uh, emotional intelligence skills? Mm -hmm. and, and usually I get responses like, oh, IT people. IT people, <laughs> they don't work with anyone. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I will ask them, the IT person, does that person has a boss? Does he have a boss? Mm-hmm. Does he have customers? Because you're IT, you have customers who use your products that yeah. you deal with. Mm -hmm. The fact is that anyone that interacts with any other human being needs emotional intelligence skills. So uh, in, in those instances, I give them a scenario. I'll tell them that the only scenario in which no one needs emotional intelligence is if you are the only person living on your own planet by yourself. That's it. Wow. If you do not interact with anybody else. And then I will add to it that even if that is true, which we know that cannot be true yeah, for anyone, no. even if that's true, guess what? Your own emotions affect your own results also. Even if you don't deal with anyone, my own emotions affect my motivation. It affects the way I do things, the way I don't do things. So, it will affect the results I get in life also, wow. even if I do not have to interact with anybody else. And that's basically what emotional intelligence is. So to bring everything together, emotional intelligence really is a, is a set of social and emotional skills that deals with how you and I interact with ourselves, mm -hmm. with other people, and how we make decisions, and how we respond when we're under stress. Wow. So are there any benefits to emotional intelligence as far as in your job or in life, quality of life that you can give? Like what, what would motivate me to improve my emotional intelligence? If you want to be successful in life. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah, if you want to be successful in life. In fact, uh, there, there's a research that was done by an uh, organization uh, many years ago that shows that uh, they, they, they try to look at what skills, what skills in the workplace, let's focus on the workplace, what skills in the workplace uh, contribute to our success. According to them, they, they tested about 33 or 34 different skills. Yeah. And out of those skills, they found out that the skills that are related to emotional intelligence contribute about between 45 and 58% of our success in the workplace. Out of all the skills? Out of all the skills. Emotional intelligence skills contribute between 45 and 58%. So let's say about half, or yeah. just over half wow. of our success. Not technical skills, not functional skills. Really? It is emotional intelligence skills 
contribute most of the success. In fact, they, they, apart, part of the research they did, they went to organizations and, and they went to those organizations and said, give us your most, uh, the, your top performing people, the people that are considered top performers. Mm -hmm. They took those people and just gave them an emotional intelligence assessment. Mm -hmm. The result came out. 90% of those people score very high wow. in emotional intelligence. The people that their company said, these are the top performers. They scored high. Wow. They did exactly the same thing for the people that their company said, these are the bottom performers. These mm -hmm. are the people who, you know, the people who are not doing that well. Yeah. They give those people also emotional intelligence assessment. Only 20% of them scored high wow. in emotional intelligence. So just by looking at people that their company said these are the top or bottom performers and giving them emotional intelligence assessment, they're able to determine that being high in emotional intelligence translates to being a top performer on the job. Wow. And organizations, teams pay for high performers. Yeah. They pay for top performers. Mm -hmm. And as part of that research, they also find that they found out that those people who are high in emotional intelligence, they tend to earn more. Really? In fact, I think they came up with a number it's about $29,000 more in annual pay. Annual. Annual pay. Annual. Yeah, $29,000 more higher pay for people on average, for people who are higher in emotional intelligence wow. than those, those who are not. So I, I hope that's enough motivation for... Uh, for anyone that's on the professional side, yeah. on the on the personal relationship side, you you are valued more. You are valued more. You are wanted. People want to be around you mm. when you when you display better uh, emotional intelligence skills. Mm. So all around, it's 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 better for you. Oh, as a person, you are a happier person, yeah. you are happier to be around, yeah. you are a better contributor to your organization, wow. and, and your career also no, does better. Wow. Sign me up. <laughs> so with that said, how would uh, someone listen to this podcast, how can they start working on their most intelligence? Where do they begin? Let's say this is the first time you've heard the word most yeah. intelligence, they didn't know it existed before now. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of things you can find uh, online these days. You can you can Google stuff uh, to learn about things. But the key, one of the things I've found out is knowledge most times does not translate to practice. Mm -hmm. So we can learn, we can learn these things, we can know it, but we're talking about things that involve human behavior. Human behavior is very, very difficult to change. Mm -hmm. Well, it's difficult, it's not that difficult. We know what to do, we just don't want to pay the, the price to mm -hmm. uh, to do it because most of us, we are set in our ways. Mm -hmm. you know, when habits form, it's very difficult to break them. Yeah. But we can, we can learn to to break to break those habits. So do, going back to your question, where, where, where do you start? I said, you can search for emotional intelligence. To, to be able to learn a little bit more about, about what it is. Like for some of the people I coach uh, through, uh, through these skills, I come alongside them and help them 
teach them the skills. Many of them attended my seminar, so they have the, the knowledge base and foundation. the background. They have the foundation, and they also take an assessment. As part of that uh, seminar, they take an assessment that also give them a score on each of those 15 skills so they mm -hmm. know where to, where to start. And then we focus on where the needs are most, depending on them, depending on on what areas in their life they want to see improvement the most. Mm -hmm. We pick some of those skills and we begin to, to work on them. So mm -hmm. for anyone that is starting off, I would definitely recommend an assessment. I would recommend an assessment to help you know where you start, where you begin. And then after that, it's good to, to get a coach, to get a coach to mm -hmm. help you to be able to develop the skills. Oh, that's awesome. That is remarkable. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today, but I do want people to know where to find you. And I know you also wrote a, a recent book, Nothing Higher, Why You Need to Send in Order to Store. I mean, uh, give a quick synopsis about that and tell us how people can get connected with you. Well, the book, Nothing Higher, Why You Need to Descend in Order to Soar, is basically about humility, the importance of humility. Um, I wrote that on uh, mainly for the business side, but it's, it's very practical on the personal side also. The book is available everywhere where books are sold. Uh, you can find it on Amazon, and it's available also in different formats, in both um, print and electronic formats. You can get on Kindle ebook or on Audible on the uh, the audio book, so you can get it on Amazon or most of the other book uh, retailers around. And uh, uh, anyone you want to reach out to me, you can reach me through my website sunnyspeaks.com. You can go to the contact us page and you can reach me from there. Awesome. Well, you heard it here from engineer turned emotional intelligence expert. Uh, whether it's just to improve your quality of life, improve your relationships, or you just want to make $29,000 more per year. Whatever it is that motivates you, emotional intelligence is important in every aspect of your life. And I hope that you'll take the first step, take the assessment, learn more about emotional intelligence, reach out to Sunny about that, and tune in for the next podcast as well. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Incredipal podcast with Paul Ferranbi. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you here next time. And be incredible. Incredible.